photography. So yeah, I've been a nice. Yeah. What type of photography? Uh, I did a lot of product shots for, um, I, I used to work, uh, in collaboration with a knife company and, um, uh -huh. that was pretty cool. So cold steel knives, uh, kind of contracted me where they would send me products. Um, and then I would shoot with their items and then I got to keep everything they sent me. Um, okay. and then that turned into, uh, I started to work for a firearms company and, uh, okay. while I was over there, we, um, I was, you know, taking product shots in house and then I was getting, I was able to buy everything that I wanted at cost. Um, so that was fun and that was a cool job. Uh, and then I started to dabble with um, like model and Bodur, Bodur, I still can't say that word, Bodor shoots with um, those props as um, kind of the, the focus. Um, so there's a lot of cool content that I was able to create. Um, I can't say or write that word. Um, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> so that, that's there. You can do some really cool macro and micro photography stuff. Yeah, when knives and and firearms, that was probably fun. Yeah, it's a pretty cool shots that were featured. And um, there's a magazine called like Recoil. Um, it's like a firearm magazine, uh -huh. and so uh, they did a, like a web article on some of my shots. And yeah, it was it was, it was a fun time. But um, there wasn't a whole lot of money to be made uh, in the way that I was approaching it. Um, I think the yeah, I didn't have a whole wrap around like the business sense of how to market as a photographer so um it's a skill set that i've definitely used in every business that i've been a Absolutely. part of um, yeah it wasn't the the i love how you said that too you said you said there's not a, mar a lot of money to be made in the way i was doing that there's a lot of wisdom and what you just did there it showed me that wow you really do work on eliminating the limiting beliefs um you know on the the not even just a self-sabotage, sabotaging of experience. If you do get back into the photography game ever, Josh Rossi, full-time photographer, mm. fulltimephotographer.com, that dude is a champ. Um, and has, yeah, he's he's legit. There's a lot of reasons why I know that. <laughs> but <laughs> all these skill sets you talked about, all this entrepreneurial, like I'm like, holy crap. That means you've got, you've got a huge foundation for e-commerce for marketing for branding for market analysis for physical product for service like do your depth it it was it. it's been really cool because i used to see it as a weakness right like damn i yeah. tried all these things and it didn't work out and this and that but then i realized that it gave me a lot of experience and a, knowledge, yes, a lot of knowledge in the field. and then oh. that uh quote right uh, a jack of all trades um is a master of none and what I learned later in life was the second half of that quote. The second half of the quote, hit it. Is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. That's um, right. And so I've, I've utilized that to my advantage where it's like, yeah, taking all of those and kind of combining it into anything I, I put my energy into today. Dude, I love it. Okay. Uh, you, nailed, you nailed a fantastic quote. What are three of your favorite self-development books or courses? Let's not throw the courses out of the window here. Those are, those are becoming, I think, in many times, even better than books. Okay. Um, the first one's title. I'm going to censor a little bit. So it's the <laughs> Un-F-U star K yourself. Uh, that is one of my absolute favorite books. Um, Un-F yourself. Yeah. Got it. Let's see. I can pull it up real quick. It is by... Number two, go the F to sleep. <laughs> no, it's by no. Gary John Bishop. That okay. That's probably my favorite self-development book. Um, program, I would say um, there is a leadership development program that I've graduated from. It's known as the Atlas Project. That yeah. is, that's been transformational in my life and with my family and everything else uh, that I do. Um, and then uh, my business coach. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, what's up? And welcome into Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited to have Jeff Sarah on with me today. We're going to be talking about self mastery and eliminating limiting beliefs 
and the effects of self-sabotage and how we go about doing that oftentimes without even realizing it. Um, and before we go into, into Jeff's story and, and dive more into his depth, if you missed the beginning, you want to go back and hear that. Um, and, and maybe look up his profile too, and just see the, the depth he's come from. He's been, he's, he's explored life to an extreme degree. And there's, there's a fantastic, there's a fantastic balance that comes from people who end up doing that, who aren't just isolated in a one lane. No, no offense to any of you guys who are out there and are isolated and become champions in one specific category. Um, but there's, there's a different wisdom that comes out of the experience of trying many different paths. Um, so we'll, we'll get to hear about that a little bit more from him as well. Before we dive into Jeff's story from his own mouth, though, um, I want to talk about these sponsors. I was just on the phone with Patrick Creighton of Laidback Languages and uh, helping him develop a new strategy for for outreach with some of the, the potential market that could work with him. He teaches people how to learn languages. He knows six different languages that he's able to help people master. And I have seen that he practices the principles of language really from my own firsthand experience. I, I learned Spanish in four and a half months. I was fluent. Um, and I didn't know it at the time. It took me about 18 months before I realized, whoa, like I, I really got to the point of, of being able to dominate this language and communicate well at the four and a half month point. One of the biggest secrets to language learning is confidence. You master confidence and you get yourself in a position to where you're, you're not scared to do things like, Arrivederci, like, like the talk, like it's not you and find your own personality, different language. Like, whoa, you can, you can really learn fast. So that's one of his big secrets, but there's of course more to it than that. And the same principles he practiced were the ones I practiced to get my Spanish down. Not that even though I just spoke in Italian. Um, all right. Detail publishing. So detail publishing is what, I would consider the, the best resource you can go to if you're in the process of launching a book or you're in a situation where you need content marketing strategy handled by an outsourced team. Ashley's one of the best people on the planet, in my opinion. Um, not that I typically rank people. We're all important. We're all great. But she is one of my absolute favorite people on earth. And she's extremely good at research and development. She's taking on some uh, manuscript review processes for some of the top publishing companies out there right now too. Uh, she ran a great retreat um, last year for uh, book writers. And oh, you know what? Time's going fast. It was two Novembers ago that we did that retreat. Um, and when it comes to publishing, she's published for Nomad Capitalist, um, all the 2000 articles you'd find on that. And then in addition to that, Wallace the Westie, um, a book about a puppy that a little girl gets for Christmas. The ability to harmonize and understand how to speak to children, let alone also how to speak to billionaires and multi-million dollar investment firms, things like that. Like that's, that just blows my mind, her ability to understand what the market needs and speak in a variety of different levels to individuals. She's, she's a godsend for anybody looking to establish their legacy and publish their books. Then there's the water project. If you're in a position right now where uh, you can give back, this is a great resource and opportunity to help millions of people who are in need of, of getting the very essentials of life. They don't have access to clean drinking water. A lot of these communities in Africa, uh, their kids have to leave school. Mom and dad have to miss work just to go find water that may not be sanitary for, for their family needs. We have the opportunity to give back. Now, if you don't have the financial capacity to give back, our request is just share this um, with other people. One, you could tag somebody specifically who might have an interest um, in, in projects like this. You could share this with uh, with your own Facebook group or on your own Facebook page. You never know what type of impact can come from just sharing the word, spreading the word about uh, opportunities like that. And if you have a cause that you'd rather see supported, then just drop it in the comments. Um, we're happy to take a look too and see what we can do to support the initiatives that, that you'd like to see supported. There's 8 billion people in this world to help. Um, and those of us with a microphone have a great opportunity to make impact. Um, and those of us who are listening, again, also have an amazing opportunity to impact. Um, and if you want to do it for selfish reasons, just know that by sharing that, you're going to get what's called clean energy. It's going to fuel your soul. And you uh, may not feel an instant dose of like, wow, I feel amazing. My life changed because I shared this link. Um, but like a daily vitamin, it can do a lot of good for you to look out for others and, and help others in any way that you can. Without further ado, Jeff, Sarah, 
Thank you for joining us in Vision Pros Live, man. I'm happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So self-development sensei, Reiki practitioner. Let's talk about the sensei thing first. Um, so what what is a sensei for those who don't know? And, and how do you qualify to be one? A sensei is really a teacher or a master. So someone who has experience or skill set in a specific area. Um, and so as I was kind of going through my journey, uh, starting out as a life coach, I realized and recognized that I wanted to really kind of develop the focus of what I was doing, um, rather than the broader sense of just, you know, coaching in general. Uh, and I realized that self-development is really an area that I put a lot of heavy focus into myself because of, um, the, the mindset that I had and adapted growing up was, very much a victim mentality and looking external and blaming circumstances and situations around me. Um, and then once I kind of noticed and saw that I'm in control of all that, and it really stems from the self-development and everything self-related, right? So um, self-confidence, self-care, self-love, self-sabotage, self-limitations, all these things are, we're responsible for it. And so by making a shift internally, we can then affect our external world. Um, and so that's really kind of where the, the, the term and the title of self-development sensei came from. I love that, man. And, and, and here's a big reason. So I last night, I actually talked to another entrepreneur. Um, they contacted me on LinkedIn. They just happened to catch me at the right time. And so I said, you know what? Here's my Zoom link. Like, if you want to jump on, we can jump on. And they jumped on in tears. Um, you know, like just, you know, they, they kind of, they give me a story where they said, I feel like Maverick when, um, when goose dies, um, you know, in, 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 uh, Top Gun. Um, yeah. and so I was like, yeah, let me just send a zoom link and see what's going on. And, and then they jump on crying and they've done a lot of external, a lot of external work. Um, you know, they've done this neuroscience programming stuff, mm -hmm. they've been hooked up machines. They got these cool, uh, like got this ring that helps them feel better, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of external factors. Um, and in the process of listening for about 30 minutes, what became super clear was their language choice was a mixture of, mostly of, of what we would call language of, of worrying. I can't, I needs, I shoulds, um, you know, like really, really like limiting perspectives on, on extreme. And one time they used the word, I want to write a book, right? Where they gave themselves the liberty and freedom to choose something. Um, and it, 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 so I'm sorry to, to steal a thunder on that, but just, I, I just can't, I can't voice enough the importance that people work with somebody like you to figure out that inter, I love that you said it. It's the internal changes, the things that come out of us that come from within. If we can control those, the external assets become that much more powerful, but they're kind of useless if we don't fix what's going on inside. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it gives us so much power and control over everything in our life. And we, we actually do create our reality, not just through like manifestation, but through our perception and perspective of things. And a lot of very much like we, we were describing when you were listening to your friend, as you hear someone speak and talk, it's really good insight into their subconscious. And so that individual self-talk is very limiting, right? So then they're creating this story around what's possible or what they're capable of, and it's putting them into a box versus if you can correct that and point it out, which is what I do during a lot of my sessions is when a client says something negative or it's an insight in their subconscious, we'll be like, oh, let's talk about that. Why did you say that? And a lot of times we're not aware of it. It's just It just flows out. But once you start to notice it and catch it, you can shift that internal dialogue, which then supports your subconscious, which then supports the reality that you create. And now you're looking for opportunity rather than blaming circumstance. Well said, man. Well said. And for, for the record, for those listening, this was a stranger, not a friend. Um, this is this is somebody who had never met me before. Uh, the the messaging, though, the, the, the that's one of the powers of recognizing that dialogue and understand the effect the dialogue can have on others is when when I write things to people, I often generate a very strong sense of emotions from the other individual because of years of practice of tapping into how do I make impact with, with people? Yeah. How do I help people understand that they matter to me, even though we haven't even met yet? Um, wow. And that's something everybody 
can can learn to do. It's a learned trait. Um, I want to go back to your life coach uh, role. So, you know, I'm going to ask a leading question. Um, for those of you who are listening, you'll you'll know where we're, we're going with this. Um, there's so many. There's a lot of older life coaches out there who love to cast shade on young life coaches. Um, and love to say, you know, what the heck do you know about about life? Like, how could you be a life coach? You're 18 years old. I have my own perspective and paradigms on that. Um, and, you know, I, I get their point. But what do you think there's a fallacy with that mindset? And why? That's absolutely a limiting belief, right? The fact that you can't learn from someone younger than you. Um, right. Age is nothing but a number and there will be people in this lifetime that will pass away and they haven't lived a day in their life. And so on the flip side of that, there are people that are even younger than I am that have much more life experience than I do. And so to say just because our age is different means I can't learn anything from you would be self-sabotage. It would be limiting me to only looking at individuals that are older than me to learn something. Um, and one of the most interesting or impactful kind of things in my life around this has been the relationship I have with my dad. Mm -hmm. um, so growing up, you know, it was always he would teach me things and it was uh, kind of a one way street. It was like, you know, when I was a kid, it was his way or kind of like the highway. Right. It's, you know, do things this way while you're under my roof. It's like, OK, that makes sense. And then as I've gotten older and we've kind of leveled out in terms of the the way that we talk to each other it's actually flipped where he understands the work that i do um and he was actually one of my first kind of trial clients he and i did a lot of work together when i was as i was stepping into this work where he's like okay like let's let's kind of try this out and walk me through what you've created and uh we did a lot of sessions together and he's like oh wow like i can learn a lot from you and it was kind of this this pivotal moment for him to realize that you know somebody that he raised is now teaching him something. And so in the same way, right, there's, there's so many other people that, you know, a good amount of my clients are actually older than me. Um, yeah. And I found that to be interesting where, you know, it is this interesting dynamic of age doesn't matter. And it doesn't mean that a person has more or less knowledge. It just means it's different. It's unique. And it could be a new perspective that you may not have. Absolutely. And, and I love that. I, I hope more people, I think a lot of times it's a life coach who feels like they're losing control of their market um, and doesn't understand their own value, wants to utilize that to, to crush, you know, a portion of the market. So there's less competition. Um, I think that's where a lot of that limiting belief comes from, from people who try to, you know, when you, when you sell a hammer, everything looks like a nail, um, you know, and so you, you want it, you want to get your stuff sold. It's one ways to do it is fight against the market. That's what they train you to do in marketing too. It's crazy. Um, but anyway, digressing a little bit back to your point. Um, I was a 19 year old missionary, um, you know, speaking a foreign language, talking to 80 year old atheists about why they should believe in God um, to great effect. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that had to do with my own personal conviction and background. Then I became a father, um, right? And my first child, Oh my goodness, what a depth of wisdom and knowledge that she was born with and, and granted me with. And uh, so on one side, I learned so much just from watching her and studying her and how she viewed the world and how she she took things in. Uh, and I thought I was a perfect parent. Child number two taught me I sucked at parenting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I realized I didn't know anything about what I was doing. Glad I didn't write the book on that. Um, and once again, son, I, I acknowledge that because it's like I was the guinea pig, right? You learn for the second child how to do things a little better. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. Well, you know, my second comes out and he is a son and like the, the kid's an alpha. Um, you know, he, he wanted to do his own thing. And I was like, dang, I, I had one child that listened perfectly. One child who seems not to listen at all. But as I dove into paradigm, you know, and started to think through like, what's he teaching me? Like, what am I supposed to learn from this? No, 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 he listened, but he also had an, an independence um, about him in a way he he explored the world that again opened my eyes. So there is no there is no limit to age or certification for life coach. Um, you know, you you either dedicate yourself to that process and love to help people, or I guess you don't. Um, let's talk about your vision for those that you serve. So 
overcoming self-sabotage, overcoming limiting beliefs, moving into self-mastery. On the vision side of self-mastery, what's life look like for those you serve upon arrival? You said on the vision side of self-mastery. Yeah. So a lot of people will talk about the journey of getting there, but what's the destination look and feel like? The the shift between the first day I work with one of my clients to kind of when we come to the close or kind of when we reach a certain point, um, there's, there's this amazing kind of spark where I'm not having to adjust and point out their vocabulary. It's like they catch it themselves and they're noticing, oh yeah, like I said that in a negative way, let me rephrase that. Or what are, not, not like, the limiting belief or the self-limitation of like, oh, I can't afford that. It's how can I afford that? So this shift in perspective around anything is possible and that they're capable of so much more than when we start working together, where it's, you know, a lot of confusion or doubt when we first start of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I'm not sure I'm here hoping you can tell me. And then as we work together, they realize there's very little that I actually tell them and that it's all coming from within. Um, so that really empowering the individual to be able to realize and recognize their own power and potential. Um, that's really the vision to really have people tap into what's always been there. Oh, I love it. Okay. So I'm going to, we're going to trial by fire. We're going to test them. I've never done this in the podcast before, but it's going to okay. be fun. Man. Um, so let's do this, Jeff. Uh, I'm going to give some uh, statements and uh, and I'd love for you to play the vocabulary game with me of okay. helping shift the statements to a new mindset. So I have to run to this meeting. What would happen if you did it? Good. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe I get fired. Okay. So we, we always have a choice now what's the worst that happens if you don't go to your meeting? The, again, maybe, maybe I get fired. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, is it the end of the world if you get fired? No, it's not. Yeah. So do you have to go? Ah, um, I guess I don't have to go. Um, so if I wanted to shift my language, what would be the more healthy way of, of looking at perspective? Um, rather than have, it would be get to go, right? Like, I get to. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's what I usually gravitate towards. Have a meeting. It means that, right, there's a purpose and a point, and it's part of whatever you're up to. It's an opportunity yep. in some shape or form. But if you're looking at it as, oh, I have to go do this thing, your perspective going in is what are you going to get out of it? It's yep. more of. So here we go on the next one. I need, I, I need to get this project done right now. Okay. Um, What's the healthy, healthy alternative? Same thing. I get to. (laughs) I get to. You you get to stick to a commitment and reach a deadline, right? And build both self-trust and trust with whoever you're delivering that to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I, I should, I should do this. Um, You know, my coach told me I should do this marketing plan. Uh rather than should, because then that makes it an external thing, right? Like what society or someone else is telling you to, it's um, I choose to, or I get to, right? What, like, are are you actively choosing to do the thing or are you just listening to someone else without knowing why? Yeah, very good. Uh, Thanks for going through that with me a little bit. Again, those (laughs) who are listening in, these subtle changes, these subtle adjustments, I think this is especially hard if you're learning in a foreign language. Um, this is super hard for me in Spanish still. Um, for instance, the the shoulds, woulds, coulds, um, those words matter tremendously from a healthy dialogue standpoint. And so most of the time when I find myself saying I should, I remind myself I could. Um, right. Again, back to another one, uh, one more of them. Uh, you know, I there's no way I can afford to do that right now. Um, you know, I, I, I can't, I don't have the money. I can't, I can't possibly invest more time or money in that. Yeah. What's your shift? How, how can I afford this? What do I get to do in order to be able to afford this? And it doesn't have a negative impact on me. That's right. How can I make the time? 
um, we become victims of our own life circumstances. Um, we put ourselves in a jar of limiting beliefs uh, that, we, that we can't can't see past because, or that we refuse to see past um, because who knows what's going on inside. I guess Jeff knows. Um, so <laughs> it'd be important to work with him. Jeff, what's your vision for yourself? Ooh, vision for myself is to something interesting you said during um, the very beginning and talking about um, the language and the cultures that you were able to really pick up and learn really quickly was confidence. And growing up, um, so I'm Japanese American and I've taken intro to Japanese about four times. The reason for that is because I failed three. Mm. And I realized like, I, I used to think like, I have a language learning disability. Like what's going on here? How come I can't mm. pick up and adapt to the language? And it clicked while you were sharing that it was a lack of confidence. A hundred percent. It was, that was the limitation that I had put on myself. Um, so my vision is to to really learn and become fluent in Japanese so that the work I'm doing here, I can bring back to Japan. There are coaches in Japan, but they're all business coaches. And the focus is heavily on career, which is actually part of the problem. Um, the mental health in Japan is suffering because of the high stress environments in the corporate world. And people aren't taught to take care of themselves or prioritize their own needs. It's all about what's good for the collective good or what's what's best for the collective good what's best for your company what's best for your family but everyone then ends up pouring from an empty cup and while that's a beautiful sentiment and when everyone is operating in that way it does work it does create this yearning for self-care um, and people don't realize that that's an option in japan and so that's something i definitely want to kind of transition and bring over there where growing up here i had a mix of western influence and culture as well as the Japanese mentality. Um, and so I've kind of taken the best of both worlds and combined them into a healthy balance of understanding. Yeah, it's great to be considerate of others, but there's that, that threshold of you don't want it to be detrimental to yourself. Um, and so that's really my vision is to be able to connect the work I'm doing here in the U.S. back to Japan. That's beautiful and amazing. And you're right. Uh, your, your language learning capacity um, has it will be completely different this time around uh, yeah. because of that, that continued development of, of confidence through self-mastery. Uh, when I first, to be clear for people too, when I first tried to learn Spanish, tried to, I went to Spanish one and Spanish two um, in high school, but I had no desire to learn it. In fact, I sat next to Jesus on purpose um, and Jesus hooked me up, man. I, that, that dude helped <laughs> me get through everything. And I know it was called cheating back then, but I was just way early to the game of collaboration. Um, and so uh, <laughs> I made it through those. I made it through Spanish one and Spanish two, got to college, took Spanish one again and found out there's this thing called conjugation, which is pretty much the basis of passing one and two. So the fact that I didn't learn that until the third time tells you how much Jesus helped me. Um, so that said, it was lit. And I had, I did not, I would have never had the confidence. What gave me the confidence was receiving my mission call, being called by God to serve in Uruguay. Um, you know, like that, that, you know, whether you believe that's true or not, doesn't matter for you. The fact that I believed it, that helped me go in and study like crazy and put my disciplines in place, knowing that that's what my purpose and mission was to figure out. So, uh, it's, you know, if, if any of you are listening in, um, you know, feel inspired by the fact that we've got these massive callings, uh, yours is right there too, waiting for you to figure out. So let's dive into a dark subject real fast. What's your worst leadership experience ever? And this could be yours. This could be one you've seen on TV. Um, what does that look like to you? Worst leadership experience uh, in terms of like leadership that I was underneath or that I was in charge of? Could be either okay. your choice. Um, so before I stepped into fully committing to being an entrepreneur, I worked for eight years in web security. Now, during this time, uh, I worked graveyard shift um, and there was maybe three of us on that on that shift. The rest of the, the company was all during the day. And then we had an office in um, Belfast, Ireland. And I had noticed that there were things that could be improved on and that weren't working and that a lot of my team was complaining about. So I found 
some solutions and then I put it together into a PowerPoint presentation. And then I went to my manager and presented that and he was furious. He, um, he went to HR and reported me for uh, insubordination. And I was like, how is this insubordination? And I think he, he saw it as like an attack on his position. And like, so you don't like what I'm doing or there's other things. And it was like, yeah, like, well, I don't think you have the perspective of how it affects what we do. And so I had to go and I had to sit and talk with HR and all these things. And what really, really bothered me was maybe a year or two later, just about everything that I had presented on that PowerPoint presentation was implemented. And it was yeah. under a change of leadership, right? He had shifted to another role or left the company and someone else came in and all those things were implemented. I'm like, I presented this in a, in a literal PowerPoint at some point and you guys said no, and now we're doing it. It's like, okay, so that was probably my worst experience with leadership um, that created a lot of resistance. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like working for someone else, especially when I can think of a better way to do something and then I'm punished for it. Right. It can be one of the most disappointing forms of validation, can't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I I had this right and now not being recognized and and it's challenging. However, that it serves you from a point of validating that that you were on point. And yeah. in the future, you know, you'll you'll remain on point again, but with more confidence um, that that solution works. I I was fired by Lifetime Fitness. Um, I was fired by the CEO actually. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, and, and so not to, not to steal your thunder or dive into your, your episode too far, but I had written an email back to the company. They had promote, they had, uh, talked about somebody being great in the childcare, uh, facility and they wrote a great piece on him and I would reply. I didn't know reply all went company wide. Like who the heck has a system set up like that? Um, you know, for, for, a for a publicly traded company. And I said, I hope you guys have the balls to um, to raise his pay um, or reward him for what he did. Um, and you know, I said, and you should, you guys should, you know, make a video about this for the club. You know, that I think it would do awesome. Everyone, anyway, the whole company received my email. I did not mean to do that. Um, nonetheless, I already had my two weeks in at the time. Um, so my boss calls me the next day. He's like, Jackson, what did you do? He's like, this is not you. Like, why did you do this? Um, he's like, look, we don't want to stick our necks out for you. Cause you're, you got your two weeks in. Are you cool? Like wrapping up today? And I was like, <laughs> I don't have to do my two weeks. Sure. Um, but nonetheless, I walk into the club six months later on my, on my free membership that I still had as, as a, as an employee. Um, and, uh, they've done a video on him. Uh, right. They've done a club promotion about this guy and how awesome he is. And I'm like, that was my, and I was mad at first. I was like, I was like, dude, they totally took my idea after firing me. <laughs> I forced their, in my case. So I had forced their hand. Um, you know, I, I, I made like, everybody saw that email. I was like, hey, pretty good they have to do it, but they, they used it and they turned it. And if I were Brahma Karate, the, the, I believe that was the name of the, the CEO at the time, uh, the founder, I would have fired me too. Um, you know, like I, I would have had to do that for, for the control of the oh, environment, make sure other salespeople don't do what Jackson did. Um, so if I ever get to meet him, I'll shake his hand about it. But um, <laughs> maybe that was a combination of my worst leadership as a follower, um, you know, it's kind of stepping outside my bounds. Um, but that same effect, right? It's the concept ends up being validated. Um, yeah, but sure. we, uh, you know, we learn and maybe we use it again in the future. So what's your, uh, what's your best leadership experience look like? Best leadership experience. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, but the, the concept of somebody in a leadership position being right there next to the people that are doing the work to have a clear understanding of any pain points that are possible. Um, let me guide you towards the story too, though. Well, you, you think through that for a minute, but earlier you were going to mention three of your top resources and one of them was your business coach. So if you have any stories about your business coach as well, this might be an appropriate time to, to bring that up. Yeah. So uh, Sajad Hussein with Cause and Effect, um, that's my business coach and he practices what he preaches. Mm. So he understands uh, the pain points, right? So um I think that is a great example of the leadership where it's, you know, um, 
if you're going to be telling and supporting others with advice, you should be, you know, doing it as well. Um, and so he has a very, very thought out, meticulous structure to his program and his process for six weeks that if you follow it to the T, it creates amazing results. Um, and that was the case for my business where um, it completely flipped how I was operating and how I did things. Uh, I more than doubled my prices and created more revenue probably the two months after graduating from his program than I had the two years prior operating on my own. Um, and again, it was, you know, he's telling me to do these things. And for somebody, as you're watching, if you're just like, oh, like you're saying it, but I've seen you not do it right. Like if you, if you go to a gym and your trainer is overweight as well, it's like, why am I going to listen to you? Right. So similar to that, where it's like, if you're watching this individual practice, what they preach and it's creating results, and then you start to see it for yourself, it's a great example of leadership of, you know, living and breathing the very thing that you're trying to support others with. And so in the same way, I have to hold myself to this higher standard, which is great accountability for what I support my clients with. Um, and I feel like it's, it's the same for any leadership position where if you're wanting your subordinates or anyone you're working with to do the thing, make sure that you're capable of it as well or willing to do it um, the same way. Um, okay, I got a great one. So the second one that I mentioned. How do I was, spell his name, though? The business coach. Uh, S A J A D. H U S E. Uh, sorry, H U S A I N. Okay, Sajad Hussein. Yeah. Good. Okay. No, All right, keep um, going. Sorry. Uh, I, my, guess, I gotta give some credit to this man. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. My uh, one of my favorite leadership experiences was um, in that program that I mentioned, the Atlas Project. There's um, a time where, you know, we're kind of setting up an event and putting things together. And we had to kind of hodgepodge this kind of a, like a dinner situation. And we didn't have like a full kitchen venue. And we had to like really we rented uh, the, the dishes and everything else and brought it into this space but there wasn't a kitchen. So one of the leaders, one of the people in a um, kind of a power position within the organization was she was standing in the bathroom, washing the dishes in the sink. And I came by and I'm like, what in the world is going on? What are we doing? And it's like, Hey, we just got to make it work. And this is the only solution. And I'm like, this is amazing to witness, right? Like you're here doing the grunt work with us. This is another prime example of, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of things and being there right alongside everybody else that you're asking to support with this experience in this event. Um, and so, again, to to have that clarity and insight to be like, OK, this is a problem. We'll solve this for the next time we do this. But for now, this is the solution. And rather than being like, hey, can you do this? It's like, no, I'm here. I'm going to do it. Um, and then for the next time, we take that and we integrate that where it's like we need a kitchen the next time this happens. Um, and rather than, you know, delegating that to someone else to be like, oh, this job is beneath me or anything like that. It was just, this is the solution and I'm here and I'm capable. So I'm going to do it. Um, that yeah. was a prime example for me. I love that. It's uh it's a, there's a, there's an important balance to be had depending, depending on the scale of the company. Um, I, I think that's a big factor in it, but of being willing to do those tasks and, and also being willing to let go of it so that you're delegating appropriately, right? So that you're not getting bogged down uh, by the mundane work. But you know, if, if you want to be, if you want to be a business owner, um, right? You want to have a business owner mentality. Go clean the bathroom. Um, you know that that's go take the garbage out because um, that's at the end of the day. You know the business owner is going to make sure that's done. Go make sure that the front door uh, glass doesn't have fingerprints all over it. Um, you know, so that there's a good presentation for those who are coming in. Those are the types of things that the business owner uh, doesn't allow to go overlooked um, when they have true pride and like a sense of pride, joy in, in what it is they're doing. So um, I think that's well said. Um, the powerful lesson. So if this were the last opportunity um, to share a powerful lesson with other visionaries so they can learn from your experience, what would that lesson be? Mm. Um, so I'm a huge advocate for cold showers. And the reason for that is to build the mental fortitude to recognize that you can get comfortable being uncomfortable. 
And anytime you're about to do something new, there is that moment of hesitation, that doubt or that insecurity around, can I do this? I don't have the experience. I don't have the knowledge. And you have to just do it. The only way you're going to get the experience and the information is by trying. And yeah, you may fall. Yeah, you may fail. It may not work out, but you're going to gain the experience from that to know what will work better next time. Um, So the number one lesson there is to just, yeah, to try things out and be okay with the failure. Um, I'm, this is what I do now is probably my eighth business. The other seven didn't pan out in the way that I wanted them to. But like we were talking about earlier, it's given me great insight and a wide range of skill sets that I've combined into what I'm able to do today. And so I don't see those as seven failures. I see them as seven stepping stones to where I am today. I love that. At any point in time, at any point in time in your life, you can give up on your dream and go back to, you know, go back to normal, um, you know, and, and achieve normal results. Uh, and you may, you may not receive, you may not achieve the same level of normal that you could have, but it's, it's give or it's give or less, you know, give or take the same. Um, so they will have that opportunity, but those, uh, like you said, all those opportunities have led you to where you are. They've given you capacities to pursue a potential beyond what you could, uh, likely have achieved had you, had you chosen a more complacent route um so that uh, i think it's awesome I, I hope i hope that you have that that honorable experience of being able to see it come to fruition the way that you want to um that would be that'd be awesome man um in regards to cold showers i i will you know what i'm just going to go on the record i freaking hate cold showers um <laughs> there's one of my limits it's not a limiting belief it's one of my limits um there's probably some limiting belief behind it too but i tried and dr eric berg thank you i love him to death um great formal formal client while i was at video power um 11 million subscribers maybe 12 million now he grows fast um but he he talked about cold showers too and i was finally like dang if dr eric berg is gonna say it I probably need to try this thing and, and do it. So I, I did my cold showers for about a month. Um, and man, I, I, I can do it. You're right. It does teach you that you can be resilient and do things that you don't like. It can help with that. But there's so many other things in life that I do that, that are uncomfortable. <laughs> like I don't need an extra one. I got, I got plenty of, I have anything. I need to learn how to stay in a comfort zone. So my shower is my comfort zone. Um, well, is that, is that going to hold me back in life, Jeff? Um, perspective it's, it could potentially be limitations where how we do one thing is how we do everything. Right. So there's, if you're holding back there, it may be showing up in other areas as well. Um, and there's a lot of health benefits to it as well. Right. So reducing inflammation, supporting with turning, uh, the white fats into brown fats. Um, there's definitely, um, I think it's an endorphin release. I forget if it's endorphins or serotonin gets released. Um, well, it's probably. I also realize and recognize that um, after after about the first month, if you stick with it and you're shifting your perspective, I have an appreciation for it now where I actually do enjoy it. Um, and the kind of mindset I go into with it is I'm grateful for the fact that I can feel this sensation of the cold and the discomfort because our time on this planet in this lifetime is limited and someday I'll die and I won't be able to feel that anymore. So the fact that I could wake up and take that cold shower and feel that sensation, I'm grateful for it. And it also gives appreciation for at the end of my shower, when I do flip it to the warm water and I get that satisfaction of, okay, then back in that comfort zone of, um, you know, kind of getting myself ready to, go about my day and I've already had that quick kind of wake, wake up. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, that's the reward to kind of the, the duration of my discomfort. And I think it's similar in life. I love it. I appreciate it. Um, it's, and there, that's, uh, it's all beautiful perspectives on that. Now I do have a challenge for this quote though. It's, it's a quote that I've, I've ignored for a while. I hear more and more people using it these days though. But I don't, I want to fact check it. Um, how we do it, one thing is how we do everything. 
what is the source of that meme? I'm going to call it a meme because mm-hmm. I don't know of uh, a proactive. And it, here's why. I'm not a big fan of hyperbole. Um, you know, it's one of the fastest ways to lose an argument is to say everything or to say never. Um, right. When you use a hyperbolic statement, it's like, it's so easy to find a, an exception to that rule. Um, so is there, is there like a, a religious book of some kind that that's that quote comes from, or is it just Grant Cardone trying to force people to believe what he says? Yeah. I don't don't mean to call him out origin itself. And it's funny that you say that because, um, I actually use that phrase in way the way I articulate uh, what I do for my business. And I do actually phrase it slightly different where I say how we do one thing is how we do most things, not everything. That would be less limiting. The definitive statement that, right, then your argument is less valid. Um, But for me and the way that I'm using it, it's, it's deriving from our subconscious, right? So we have a tendency to do things a certain Mm -hmm. way, which will creep out when we're not conscious. And so that is the limitation. When you say everything, there's some things I am more conscious of where it's like, I don't mind leaning into the discomfort of this one aspect of my life more so maybe than another area. And so the cold showers could help in that regard, but it doesn't mean it's going to support in the area I'm already strong in. It may support in the areas I'm weaker in. And so I agree with you in the sense that, you know, it's, it's not this definitive statement that can be used in all areas, but there is some truth to it where we have a tendency and a habit, especially in our subconscious to gravitate toward mm-hmm. a certain outcome. Right. I, I find that the, the some truth factor in, in most things is, is dangerous territory. And that's why I'm glad you shifted the quote for yourself. Uh, that's why I want to shift it for others real fast is because a lot of times we, we allow a statement like that to defeat us. Um, you know, and if you're like, oh, well, then I must like you, then you start second guessing yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I don't do cold showers. And now, because I believe I do one thing is how I do everything. And now I just self-sabotage boom, 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 boom. Rather than recognizing like, hold on, wait a second. I don't go to sleep the same way I wake up. Um, you know, I don't eat the same way I drink. Um, you know, I don't, I don't show up with my kids the same way I show up with my clients per se. And in some aspects, right. There's perspectives. Do I give my best in both? Yes. Um, but do I show up and use sillier language with my young children, um, you know, compared to the way that I talk to my clients? Absolutely. Um, so there's that there's that healthy perspective. There's that self-intuition that we all need as well. Uh, and and as, if we can build our intuitive muscles to a stronger capacity, we become protected when we hear half-truths. Um, you know, if the half truth is a route to Starbucks and you live near the Grand Canyon and it's on the other side of the Grand Canyon, but the other half of the truth is telling you to just drive your drive your car straight across the canyon, you're going to die. Uh, <laughs> you need the full truth of how yeah. to get there, not not the half of it. Um, and the same is often true um, in, the, in the lessons we learn in life. Um, but it, it, again, maybe. Maybe that's that cold shower is why I'm not Jeff Bezos yet. I'll, I'll meditate on it. No, I, I appreciate it, Jeff. That's, it's really yeah. helpful. Um, so if we could take one more minute, um, any final thoughts on either self-mastery, limited, limiting, limiting belief, if I can say it, or self-sabotage? Um, one thing that I think is difficult to discern is when we are self-sabotaging it's it's not something people do intentionally um and so it's interesting to you know i I have a question on um one of my calendars so when you book time with me it's you know what are ways that you self-sabotage and most most people will answer truthfully every now and then someone will say i don't and um it's interesting to to hear that right because it's like okay well that's that's actually self-sabotaging right um but to, to understand our ego and ego is a defense mechanism to protect our emotional state. Oftentimes we have our ego kick in where it'll rationalize or justify an action or a choice so that we're not wrong. And we've kind of put ourselves into this black and white of, well, being wrong is bad versus, okay, it's okay to be wrong. Uh, it just means that you learn something. And 
if you can distinguish, okay, this is my ego coming up and making an excuse or making a reason or justification for me not to make a change, that's me wanting to stay in my comfort zone subconsciously versus what's the actual truth. Um, and so something unique that I do with some of the work is uh, I have like a VIP session. That's a one day intensive eight hour deep dive. I offer the option uh, for my clients to utilize psilocybin in a microdose and the psilocybin supports with removing ego. So we're not saying, well, I did this because you did that. I said this because you said that it's I did this because I was feeling insecure. I said that because I was hurt. There was there's the removal of the ego. We're not making up the reason or the justification to not admit what may be hard to face. Um, and so that's one area where it's a little bit more complex, but it's a good, I'm glad you brought it up. Well, that's, that's our, that's the territory we face. I am going to, I'm going to be so sad for all the entrepreneurs who chose to skip this because it's elementary, Mm -hmm. right? Who chose to see this and say, oh, you know what, this, I've already heard this. I've already, I already know how to overcome my limiting beliefs and self 96% of businesses fell within 10 years, 4% survive, very, very few thrive. And, and it's typically because of limiting beliefs. It's typically because of uh, an arrogance or an ignorance or a self doubt or a, a, you know, an overconfidence there, there's so many factors and, and it almost always comes down to the mindset of the leader and their inability to get past um, these, the things they can't see that they're, that they're subjecting themselves to. I got a team that holds me accountable. I got a mom who holds me accountable. I got sisters who hold me like people who are like, Whoa, like if I want, if I need a check, you know, I go to those people, run an idea by them and they're like, Nope, here's why, um, you know, or like, yep, no, that looks great. But I, if I allow my ego to get in the way of conversations like this and I don't put people in my life like you, Jeff, then I will, I will end up very short-sighted um, on what my possibilities can be. And I will end up shrinking my ability to, to have a greater sphere of influence. So I believe in, I love what you do. Uh, those of you listening and especially entrepreneurs, be aware that um, you, you know, if you're, if you're dismissing this conversation as one that may not be applicable to you, you're the exact type of person who needs to be talking to somebody like Jeff. Um, so check out the landing page. You'll see his links in there. If you have a vision to share, come on board, come share it with us. Um, you know, there will be a link on there to apply as well. If you have a question or a comment you'd like to make, a contribution to the show, of course, leave those in the show notes. And uh, Jeff, thank you for being here today, man. This was awesome. It's been a pleasure, Jackson. Thank you so much for having me. And a uh, shout out to Vicky for introducing us. That's right. Vicky, woo! Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent 